0: Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy?
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart and Garrett Eisler here. Hello once again, Garrett. Hello, Ted. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 11, Being Divorced is Never Having to Say I Do. Uh, This episode is available on DVD. It's not available on CBS All Access, so if you want to uh, follow along as we talk, uh, go get your DVD or buy a DVD. They still sell them, or you may know it off the top of your head because you're a fan. So before we get into the episode, uh, Garrett will give us a little overview of the writers.
2: Uh, Yes, Being Divorced is Never Having to Say I Do, uh, which, as you say, is season two, episode 11, original air date December 10, 1971. Written by a man named Rick Mittelman. And he is, this is the first of many odd couple episodes he wrote uh, for this and the next two or three seasons, it looks like. Uh, And even, and has a very long, prolific career dating back to Dick Van Dyke's show, uh, even Flintstones, Red Skelton, all in the 60s. Uh, and But also really switched, seems to have an interesting career going back and forth between sitcom and either drama or kind of thriller, genre, action. Uh, he did I Spy, he wrote for, he wrote for Get Smart, he wrote for Bewitched, he wrote, for That Girl, uh, and then into the 70s, some classic sitcoms like Sanford and Son, What's Happening, Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, but then he wrote for Chips and Reddington Steel and MacGyver and even a couple of Murder, She Wrote. So uh, it was interesting to see that because as we'll discuss, this is actually a, very much a dramedy kind of episode. This has a more serious drama than uh, the usual episode. And so maybe that was a specialty of his, I don't know.
1: Perhaps. So we open on Oscar sleeping in his bedroom, although the lights are on, which I'll give them a pass on for continuity because it seems like something Oscar would do. Uh, I do encourage viewers who do have the DVD to pause uh, and look at this setup, look at the scene. I did this for the first time, uh, where you notice all the little touches in the in Oscar's room on the set. There's pants hanging out of a drawer. There's socks on the lampshade. There's a football under the bed. There's old newspapers on the floor, and there's piles of clothing on the floor and under the bed. And it just feels really authentic. It doesn't feel staged. And I, I, we've talked about this before, but yeah. I, I took a chance to just pause the the DVD and look at all the little touches, and it just well, it'd be
2: interesting weird. to see. The next time we see the room to compare it, right? Like right. if everything's in the same place, then yes, you know, it's meticulously designed. I agree. And if it's not, maybe they really did just randomly throw stuff around.
1: Well, I actually hope it's, I would hope it's not the same the next time because that indicates yeah. someone's really living there. Felix comes rushing into the, uh, into the bedroom with his bathrobe on to wake Oscar up and saying he's got good news and bad news. Oscar asks, what time is it? And Felix says it's eight o'clock on a bright Sunday morning a bright sunny morning, and Oscar says, what's the good news? Felix says there's someone here to see Oscar. By the way, we never really find out what Felix is going to say the good news and the bad news is, unless it was the same thing. Like, Mm. we don't know what the good news or the bad news would have been if Felix had actually had a chance to lay out good news and bad news. Uh, Felix says, "There's someone here to see Oscar." When Oscar asks, "Who Felix? Who who it is?" Felix says, "It's an old friend, and he should get up to see it for himself. It's someone very near and dear to him." Oscar says, "My bookie is here so early." Felix says, "No, but it begins with a B." And Oscar says, "So does bug off. He's not getting up for anybody." Felix says, "Not even for Blanche." Oscar says, "Blanche, my ex-wife, Blanche from California." And this realization does now wake him up. And Felix says, "She has something to tell him." Maybe that's the bad news, he thinks. Um, Oscar says he knows he's three months behind in alimony. And by the way, I think uh, I, as a young boy watching The Odd Couple, I think I discovered the first time I ever heard about alimony or what it was, was from The Odd Couple. I'm pretty yeah. convinced that, that is where I learned I'm about
2: it. you sure, alimony. too, because my, yeah, my parents did not divorce. But uh,
1: so we learned about it from television. Uh, Oscar asks if her lawyer is with her tall, skinny guy with a smile. Does she have any papers that say state of New York with a subpoena? And he does this while he's stamping the motion while doing a stamping motion with his hands. Uh, Oscar says, why did you let her in? The one personal role I never want to see is Blanche. Of course, on cue, Blanche walks in and Oscar says, hi, Blanche. Nice to see you. Blanche is wearing a, Fancy fur coat. I don't know if you noticed that. And I, I'm assuming it was real fur. And says hi, Oscar. And he looks. She looks around the room and says, "Same old Oscar. Neat as a pin." It's like a scroll down memory sewer. <laughs> Oscar says, "Same old Blanche. Still zinging them while he jabs his fist back and forth." Uh, Felix says he'll leave the two of them alone, but they both plead with him to stay. Which, by the way, comes up in other episodes where they don't want to be in the same room together, and Felix is kind of their middle ground to keep them from fighting. So that's a nice little touch. Uh, Felix says he didn't tell them the great news, um, or that Felix says that he didn't tell Oscar the great news, Blanche is getting married again. So again, I'm not sure what the good news, bad news part was. I just think that, I don't know what he would have said was the bad news. Uh, so let's talk about Blanche. This is the first of her five appearances. She, of course, is played, I think most people know this, by Jack Klugman's real wife, real wife, Brett Summers uh again i was surprised to find she was only in five episodes just like i was surprised to find gloria was in the limited amount of episodes she was but gloria
2: Um, was in more more
1: yes that's right uh jack Logan and Brett Summer's married in 1953 they had two sons they divorced in 1977 although i think you found garrett that they separated in 74
2: yeah there seems to be a hole according to wikipedia and imdb and other Internet sources, there seems to be a, a shroud of mystery around their relationship, but all agreeing that it based the uh, most relevant to us, their relationship, their marriage, seems to have been dissolving during the course of this series. And it's just really tempting to imagine, you know that one influenced the other perhaps. Um, but the, the story is that we get online is that they separated in 1974, which would have been season end of season four which is when Blanche disappears from the show. And um, so, and then, but they did, seems to have finalized their divorce in 77, but then there was a rumor that, that they didn't legally divorce because Klugman didn't remarry until right after Brett Summers died. So, uh, but the evidence of the divorce in 77 is convincing.
1: So her first TV credit is 1954. She did a lot of live TV in the 50s. She did TV dramas in the 60s, such as Have Gun Will Travel, The Fugitive. Then she did comedies in the 70s, such as Mary Tellermore, Moore, Barney Miller, and Love Boat. But she is most known for, even above Plain Blanche, uh, eight years, 1,632 episodes of Match Game, most famously sitting next to her comedic foil, Charles Nelson Reilly. And in about 2000, two or three i was watching match game every uh night on game show network and uh fell in love with their chemistry i loved watching charles nelson riley make fun of her and i do have a personal story about uh wow. brett summers so um my wife worked on a, a tv show um where brett summers did a, a parody of lifetime movies um showing pretending that uh, she and Charles Nelson Raleigh had a love affair and she had a she and we were fans of Brett Summers and we went to see she did a lounge act in 2004 she was singing and did comedy and after the show my wife went up to her with me and she said I do you remember this parody you did and she said yes I never saw it she said well I can get you a tape so my wife got her a tape got it sent to her and we came home one day and on our machine was a thank you message from Brett Summers <laughs> on her voicemail, which I should have kept. What I did keep was the uh, caller ID on my phone. I kept that as long as I could because it said Brett Summers and I had her number. And I always used to say to my wife, should we just call Brett and see what's going on? <laughs> but my wife said, no, do not do that. Oh, so so that, that is and, my and
2: unfortunately, she passed away a few
1: years later. Yes, and yes. Otherwise, we could have called her up right because now on the I show. I would have had a connection and had an interview. So uh, after the, the point where Felix says she's getting married is when we go to opening titles, we come back. Oscar is thrilled that Blanche is getting married because, of course, it means that, um, you know, she doesn't have to pay alimony anymore in theory. Uh, but Felix is not so sure once she starts to hear about Blanche talking about her, her new husband. So let's play the clip of that happening.
3: Ah, uh, come on, say what's in your heart. No more alimony. Oh, no, honey, I'm happy for you, too. I really am, lad. Not
1: really prepared
0: for a celebration. All I've got is some German chocolate cake and muscatel. <laughs> Perfect if you're a Nazi wino. <laughs> <laughs> Would
2: you like
0: some beer? Beer? Who no. ever heard of beer for a celebration?
3: How about coffee?
0: Coffee for breakfast. Now, why didn't we think of that? Sit, come on, sit, Blanche.
3: Oh, thanks. Well, tell us about your
0: intended. Uh, how long have you known him? Oh, Roger. Yeah. About three weeks. Three weeks. Yes. Twenty-one days.
4: <laughs> Are you sure you're doing
0: the right thing, Blanche?
4: Of course, he's sure. <laughs> it's a whirlwind romance, where right? The guy sees what he wants and he takes it. I like a style. So, uh, tell us where, uh, where did he pop the question?
3: at the Whispering Pines. Hey, that sounds romantic. Romantic, it's a motel outside of Dayton. Oh, darling, we were having coffee in the coffee shop.
0: Forgive me, I thought- Oh, no,
3: no. I thought so, too. But we ended up in the coffee shop.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, what what first attracted you to him?
3: He asked me out. (laughs) Good looking? No, but I've never been attracted to good looking men. Well, I hope he has a sense
4: of humor. He's very
3: nice.
0: So now let's get down to basics. How tall is he?
4: Five feet four inches. Only five. (laughs) Napoleon was only five four. As long as he's tall enough to reach a wedding finger, that's all it comes. Use your napkin. You're
3: wonderful. I never got him any further than his (laughs) sleeves. I don't get a real
0: picture of him, Blanche. What, what What? are his hobbies? What are his interests?
3: Well, his big passion is steam baths. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> See? Is that something the two of you can share, Blanche?
4: Oh, maybe they'll take a trip to Japan. Get your, your feet foot off, the off the chair. <laughs> Look at this, nagging in stereo. <laughs> Wipe your so when's the wedding?
3: At three o'clock this afternoon. Three o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I gotta go. Uh, oh, listen, I wanna look good. And lately, it's an all-day job. You look great. Sure, oh, you look, thank great. You, thank I wanna
4: you. tell you, the more I hear about this Roger, the more I like him. I mean, right. he seems like an individualist. Mm-hmm. He doesn't follow the. You gotta be very strong to take all those mm-hmm. baths.
3: I really came to ask you to the wedding. I'd like you to be there. Are you kidding? Of course we'll be there. You need a bridesmaid? I'll be a bridesmaid. Felix? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm conditioned that
0: you let me bake the wedding cake.
3: I'd love it. Three o'clock at the Wee Kirk of Yonkers. The Wee Kirk of Yonkers? Don't blame me. His side picked it. Bye. Bye. I wish you only the best Blanche. Thank you, Felix. Lord
0: knows you didn't get it the first time.
1: So I, I like the way Felix interrogates her. You know, that's that Felix, mm-hmm. the lawyer coming out and trying to yeah. figure out all the clues. And of course we get another, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which we had in the last episode we talked about, right. um, well, when, when one for Felix, that's where that came up. That so, yeah. Um, yeah. And oh, Nazi Wino is a good line too. <laughs> I <love> uh, that. <laughs> and I like the way Blanche observes the way Felix scolds Oscar's sloppiness and all the jabs Yeah, on Oscar. That's really good.
2: Well, well you know what I, I think is great about that is that it's like Felix is like the the new wife. It's like a scene where the ex-wife comes to visit her ex-husband with his new, his new spouse, and Felix is doing all the spouse stuff of right. you know cleaning him up like he's almost her rival but in a way that she likes like he sees she sees Felix doing a better job than she could with her man uh so it sets up this weird it reinforces the whole premise of the show that Felix and Oscar are in this strange dysfunctional marriage themselves.
1: And the expression on Tony Randall's face after he says, Lord knows you didn't get it the first time with that that music cue, it's a great combination of surprise because uh, Oscar slams the door after he says that and Felix is genuinely surprised and kind of now sorry that he said that. It's just such a funny expression. Um, Uh, The funniest thing for me in the scene
2: is, and hopefully you can pick it up just hearing it, but when she says... Um where where did he pop the question? And she said, I forget the name, the pine whistling pines or something. Yeah. Uh, and and they say sounds romantic. It's it's a motel off the highway. And the expression on Felix's face when he says, Oh, it, it just it's this whole innuendo about a cheap motel. Uh, and that's why Blanche has to say, oh no, we just were in the coffee shop. And he has to say, forgive me, I thought, maybe, and trails off. And then she says, yeah, I thought so, too. Right. But then, unfortunately, we ended up in the coffee shop.
1: But, of course, uh, yeah. she's from California, which I don't know that we hear all the time. I don't know even that that's true in other episodes. And she's coming in. It's New actually York- in the play. It's in the play
2: that uh, they take that, I guess, from the play because the, the, the Blanche and their children, which they have in the play, which they don't have in the series, live in California. So I, don't, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, so it doesn't. I don't know why she still has to live in California, but maybe no. that's a reason
1: why they don't see her that much. Well, no, I was going with, she lives in California. She knows nobody in New York. She says that. They're getting married in New York, and they met in Dayton, Ohio. So I don't understand what oh, yeah. she's doing in Dayton. Right. We, under, we know what he does for work. We'll talk about that later. I don't know why he mm-hmm. would be in Dayton for that. Yeah. And then, but so he must live in New York because why else would they get married in New York? So once the circumstances
2: again, <laughs> of really how they met it are never cleared up any more than this. Yeah, no, this I is th- like... I,
1: the odd couple. Writers love using ge- love <laughs> picking random geographic spots for jokes. Wee mm-hmm. Kirk of Yonkers. So I, of course, the consistency doesn't matter to them. We know that, uh, but that's our job is to point that out. So I think they're doing it that way. So Wee Kirk of Yonkers. I, you know, I've heard that term since I've been watching the show forty years. And it it wasn't until not that long ago that I figured out what a wee Kirk was. I didn't realize Kirk meant chapel and it meant little chapel. I I guess I never took the time to think about it. Kirk
2: is church. Kirk is like old Dutch slash German, you know,
1: uh, for church. Right. But of course, when I hear Kirk, especially if I'm watching WPIX (laughs) in New York at 12 o'clock, at midnight was (laughs) Star Trek. Um, another problem felix is not making a wedding cake by 3 p.m that day uh i know something about baking my wife's a baker i do not believe he could do that well what
2: time is it in the beginning of the episode well it's the morning it's eight in
1: the morning so he has to get to yonkers he has to have it ready he has to have the materials i find that implausible maybe i won't say impossible i'll say implausible. Anyway, the next scene, Oscar is singing in his room. He's singing, "Here comes the bride. She's going to let me keep my bread." <laughs> of course, because he's so focused on getting the alimony done, uh, and that's all he cares about here. He doesn't really. I mean, we talk a lot of. They talk a lot about this, but the subtext to the audience is clear. It's not subtext. It's obvious that he doesn't care. Yes, about Yes. No matter how
2: wedding. much he denies it, every the whole episode only makes sense in a way if. That's his main
1: interest at this point. And he's searching for something in his room, all over the room. Felix comes in. Oscar says how wonderful everything is working out, but Felix is shaking his head no. And Oscar goes to him and puts his hand on his head and says, you need to shake your head up and down and say yes, because (laughs) he he doesn't want Felix screwing this up. And Felix asks if he can say something. Oscar says no. Felix says it anyway, that he doesn't think this will work out because he heard how Blanche spoke about Roger. And that's not how a woman speaks about a man she's going to marry. Oscar says, what do you have against Rogers? Steam baths? They have soap, towels, washcloths, everything on your Christmas list. Felix says, not once was the word love mentioned. Oscar says he lived with her 12 years and not once was the word love mentioned. And Felix says, maybe you were never listening. Felix asks Oscar what he's looking for. Oscar says, black. That's all he says. And Felix looks around the room, picks something up and says, black what? and then goes under, oh, sorry, he says black what, and then goes to his bed, picks up something and says black olive, because there's a black olive sitting on Oscar's (laughs) bed from one of his sandwiches. Oscar's under the bed at this point and crawls out and says he found it, and it's a black sock to match the other one that he has for the wedding. And Felix asks if Oscar cares if Blanche is happy. Oscar asks Felix if he cares if he is happy, Oscar, that being Oscar. Felix says he cares more about Blanche being happy than if he cares about Oscar being happy. Oscar says she knows, he knows her. He knows Blanche, and he knows that she's in love with Roger and is happy based on what she said, which, of course, we know is not true. And to, to test him, Felix says, what colors are Blanche's eyes? And Oscar clearly does not know and says, go bake your wedding cake. <laughs> From there, we cut to an exterior of what we're supposed to believe is the Wee Kirk of Yonkers, and Oscar and Felix walk in. Well, Felix does have a pink cake box so at least the fact he said he was making a wedding cake they actually remembered to have him bring a wedding cake i mean if he didn't bring one i don't think i would i would have thought i guess he didn't could make it but he he thought about it although it looks like it's something he bought but i think visually the fact that he's carrying it
2: around with him the whole episode as we'll see like it becomes this visual prop joke in a way that's never referred to yeah
1: Felix notices it's a big chapel and says it's big for a wee Kirk. And Oscar says there's plenty of room to Kirk around in. Uh, Oscar has something wrapped in an envelope in his hand and Felix asks if it's a present, but Oscar says it's a divorce decree in case she forgot hers. I don't really I, understand why you yeah. have to bring Well, you know, it's funny. Decree? I
2: thought of how in some Jewish traditions, the get, you know, the, the marriage contract is like a, uh, is an important thing. A friend of mine who was divorced had to get remarried and had to had to get that drawn up. Um, but I suppose in some cases, uh the fact that the one the bride was previously married, there needs to be proof that she's not married anymore, because bigamy is probably is the only crime you can commit <laughs> getting married. Uh so I um yeah, but I think it dramatically it just reinforces again Oscar's eager to uh, make sure nothing gets in the way of her getting married. And it's a reminder, again, that they're divorced and a reminder of his alimony. So it, it fits
1: in. From another door in the chapel comes a short man dressed in a suit. Oscar assumes it's Roger and goes over to introduce himself and congratulate him that he's getting quite a woman there. However, this is not Roger. This is Charles Parsley, as his name, (laughs) the best man. And he is played by Sam Nadell, who has a fairly limited set of acting credits, uh, but Three Odd Couples is part of that credit set. He was also the foreman in The Moonlighter and a neighbor in New York's Oddest, which also features Roger, which we'll get to. Uh, Felix asks, where is the happy bridegroom? And Charles says, I don't know which worries Oscar now. Roger was supposed to be there 20 minutes ago. Charles goes to try to reach him. I don't know exactly what he's going to do. And Oscar offers him yeah, a, no, a, no cell phones. No, well, Oscar offers <laughs> him a dime because he's going to go use the payphone, And obviously that's the only way to call. Now Blanche comes out and Felix comments how ready and she looks. But Oscar's just nervous and says congratulations to which Blanche says she isn't married yet. Blanche asks if Oscar's tie lights up. Uh, he informs her Roger isn't even here yet, and she didn't know that. And Oscar says, don't worry, they'll find him. He won't get away. Uh, in walks Reverend Wright, played by the great Richard Stahl, who we talked about previously. We love him,
2: yes. This, is, this a, is his,
1: f- how many? Fourth. Fourth, fourth, fourth of nine. Fourth. Wow. Uh, we covered you know
2: what's his- funny? I looked it up. Did you notice that out of his nine appearances, like about half of them are as a priest
1: or minister? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I know he's played that a lot because there's a- He officiates
2: like almost every wedding, I think.
1: Yeah, and the monk episode is my favorite of his. Um, And we covered his background in Murray the Fink episode, if you want to go look for that uh, to listen to our discussion of Richard Stahl. So Felix hears his name, Reverend Wright, and says, "Right, Reverend Wright, which only Felix laughs at. Uh, The Reverend said he had a message from the bridegroom. He's at a steam bath at 41st and 5th which I will concede is possible that in 1970s, there was steam bass on 41st and 5th. I don't know. And that's very near the public library. I'm just throwing that out there. It's 42nd and 5th. Uh, and that he stayed in too long and he will be late. The Reverend says he's hoped he's at the Kirk by 3.30. They have a funeral at four. And Blatch says, am I the opening act for a funeral? And the Reverend says it pays the rent. So Oscar rushes to go get Ro- uh, uh, Roger. And Felix says, how will you know it's him? And Oscar says he'll look for a short wrinkled man, <laughs> which is a great line. But the logistics here, of course, are a problem. The weddings at three, it has to be a few, uh, no, no earlier than, I don't know, one or two at this point. I mean, how early would they get there? There's no way Oscar's going from Yonkers to 41st and 5th with no Uber.
5: <laughs> I,
1: don't know, I, don't, I don't have a car. I don't know how they got That's to that. That's true. Well, let me, let me throw out one theory. Okay.
2: Metro North, uh, uh, Grand it, Central Station.
1: Yeah, but not by 3.30. I'm not saying there's no way to get there. I'm saying there's no way to get there between whatever time it is at that moment and 3.30 yes. or 4 o'clock. It would take uh, hours to get into the city, <laughs> find Roger, do all the money, and get back. It's, so it's double. Okay. It would have to well, take- Well, I would argue that
2: if you timed it perfectly, and if the church were right next to the Metro North Station, uh, yonkers i believe is the first stop out of grant from grand central and so if it was perfectly timed and there were frequent trains uh maybe uh,
1: uh if all that happened maybe i think the chance of all that happening are so small there's no way to make this whole situation maybe it's yes. implausible once again they're probably
2: banking on no one outside of new york even knowing where yonkers is
1: yeah, or that they don't care i mean the joke's a joke we're Tearing it apart because, again, that's part of our <laughs> love of what we do and why we love the show. Is to it's part of why we knew a podcast would be rich with material because there is so much stuff here to kind of pick apart. Uh, the next scene, Blanche is consoling a crying woman um, in a room in the chapel, who she identifies as her maid her honor, Judy Millhouse. So Judy is played by a woman named Pam McCarty and this is her only IMDb credits, huh. which I find
2: bizarre. I, you know, when you when you mention that, I, do, I realized I realize I don't know if she has any speaking lines
1: in. I, she's crying, right? She's so, only, I think she's only, She may say a word or two, but I, she's mostly crying.
2: So it doesn't surprise me that she's not a that she's not a, a full time actress. Uh, that that she doesn't need to be. You know, she just is, appears and she cries, and maybe she was a friend of someone's. I don't know.
1: So Felix asks if he can talk to Blanche. Uh, He asks about Judy and finds out that she was the woman who sold Blanche her dress the day before. (laughs) Uh, Felix says Oscar would have been a better choice. And here we get a Blanche, Blanche, Blanche from Felix. Of course, playing off the Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Blanche says it was either Judy or the stewardess on the plane as she knows no one in New York City anymore. Felix asks where the honeymoon will be and Blanche says any place, but where Oscar took her, which was a hockey game, the Rangers versus the Red Wings, where she got hit by a puck. I'm pretty sure that there's other stories about weddings and honeymoons that conflict with that information.
2: Uh, perhaps, but that one joke is uh, one, is one of the two or three times in the whole series that they lift a joke directly from the odd couple play. Uh, that and the only difference, the only spin they put on it, is that in the play, Oscar tells Oscar tells the joke, and says that it was there for their tenth wedding anniversary. He took her to a hockey game, and she got hit with the puck. I see. So it's always interesting that they when they do actually steal jokes from Neil Simon.
1: Felix asks Blanche if she loves Roger, and Blanche says she likes him. He is nice and tender, which Felix says he should be after all those steam baths. Blanche Mm -hmm. says she had love once with Oscar. She likes being married. The best part of being married to Oscar is being married. Felix says she must have opportunities, and she was three in the last five years. Militant hairdresser, an obscene phone caller who was a little too tall, of course, implying they actually (laughs) met, and a note tied to a rock. Felix says he is a hopeless romantic, but love is not. But in his view, love is not having a total stranger as a bridesmaid or a husband. I'm just gonna throw a little car, like some of my cards on the table because I don't like this episode that much. I think it's okay. And part of the reason is I just don't believe that Blanche would do this. I mean, I don't know her that way. I, don't, I know the character from the show, but she's a very strong woman. And I find this whole scenario silly, just silly. And it, it really knocks it down for me. Um, well, yeah, I could see how it, it's certainly pushing to an
2: extreme the situation of a single divorced woman in what would we assume would be her late 40s, at least if not early 50s. Uh, Summers herself is roughly, is a, just a couple of years younger than Klugman. So she's in her late 40s at this time. Uh, so if, if we assume that the characters, Oscar and Blanche are in their late 40s, early 50s, then yeah, you have this situation where uh, she doesn't have a lot of men ready to go out with her. She thinks, and but she's just really, really desperate. If she is, uh, talk, talking to the obscene phone caller, right? <laughs> for instance, as Which you I, say, it, but that is show. essential to her motivation. For the whole plot here is that she, we have, yeah, I, I, you're saying you don't buy it, but that is, yeah, the 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 whole premise is that she meets a nice guy who actually proposes to her, and so she says, why not? Because I got nothing
1: else going on. And it's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. I I could accept it if it was a different character or somebody else who was. Right. She is a strong woman. Yeah. Right. But it is an interesting example here how Felix is always meddling in other people's stuff. Clearly he's doing it here for the right reasons because he is observing something accurately. Yes. So, but I just never, I never, I always find, I think that scene in particular, which also isn't very funny. It's a pretty serious scene, as you point out in the beginning, that's the dramedy aspect of here. Um, But I I just, I never get it. And and so now we're going to play a clip. So we cut from that scene to Oscar bringing Roger in. So let's play the clip. And this is another, there's another issue here that I've always found for me that keeps the episode not in a must see list for me. Here's the group, Felix attention, a terrific little guy. How do you
4: do? Felix, I'm gonna miss the doctor. You're a doctor! No, that's my name, Roger Doctor.
3: <laughs> Actually, I'm in milk.
4: Milk is being modest. A string of dairies upstate, you know, cows and rice oh, parties my and stuff. Goodness, goodness, isn't that know,
1: impressive. Roger. Hello, dear. Sorry I fouled things up
3: All is forgiven I'll forgive him if you don't mind I forgive you, darling
6: Well, if everybody's present We really should get on with the ceremony If I could have the bride and groom Right over here Look at this,
4: I almost walked the last mile again
6: Sorry, you just looked so happy
4: Maid of honor here
0: to that side, hmm? Are you in milk, too? No, I'm in yogurt. I take whatever goes sour on (laughs) Roger.
5: Now then, if
6: everybody's ready, I'll start your souvenir recording of the ceremony, which we give you at no extra cost. (laughs) (laughs) Testing, one, two, three. hit it, Kim. (laughs) My dear friends, we have gathered here today at the Wee Kirk of Yonkers Chapel, just one mile south of Yonkers Raceway, to join these two in holy matrimony. But before I pronounce the final vows by the authority vested in me by the state of New York, let me ask if there's anyone present who knows of any reason why this couple should not be joined in marriage. Let him speak now or forever hold his peace.
0: I object.
1: <laughs> so, before we talk about the scene, let's talk about uh, Roger. Roger's played by Billy Sands. Uh, his he had big success in TV before this. He was on 140 episodes of the Phil Silver shows, as, Phil Silver's show as Private Dino Paparellia. and in the 1960s, he was on 130 eight episodes of McHale's Navy as Tinker Bell. Uh, His real name was Harrison Bell, the character, but he was a mechanic, so he tinkered, but obviously Tinkerbell has other connotations. This is the first of five Odd Couple appearances. He also was a New York oddist as the man who Felix accuses of stealing a TV, if you remember that scene, and he has many other guest appearances on TV in the 70s and 80s after this. Um, What I like about the scene, there's a lot of funny stuff in it. Felix objecting at the end is great. I like when Oscar comes in and says, he's a terrific little guy. A lot of short jokes here. Uh, I like the doctor last name confusion. Um, When when Oscar says, look, I almost walked the last mile again. And the Reverend notices he's happy, which is because he's going to lose alimony. I take whatever goes sour on Roger. And of Mm -hmm. course, Kim, just the character of Kim and the way uh, Richard Stahl says Kim hit it. Now, there is no credit (laughs) for who played Kim.
2: So, but she's an elderly organist yes. in the church, right? And, uh, uh, and, and, and Richard, uh, you can even hear it just in the, in the clips of Richard Stahl's like sort of drip, almost dripping sarcasm or some edge always to his, uh, some attitude always dripping off his tongue. And he has such what, a great way of saying it. Really,
1: besides the unbelievability of the storyline to me, um, what I really bugs me what I always think about well, the reason I often skip this episode or don't get excited about it when I'm watching the show um, is Billy Sands I'm sorry to say that the the casting of him as this guy is really I find him really annoying and he throws me <laughs> out of the he throws me even further out of the show he's funny in the New York scene when he drops the TV and I guess he's funny in his other episodes we'll have to go track those down when we find them uh, but I find him the casting of him here just makes it. I, I understand why they thought it was funny, and I guess they like him because he was in a lot of episodes. I find him annoying, and and, and well, makes, the whole thing it just, is bumps me. You're
2: you're right. I didn't. I recognized him mostly from The Odd Couple, but I didn't uh, know his whole history. Not ha- you know not watching those other shows, but he does seem like a recognizable character actor, a recognizable type, and I'd say like he's like. The '70s equivalent of Wally Shawn, <laughs> you know, get Wally Shawn for this role. It's like to be the standard, like nerdy, nebbishy little guy, and uh, they want everything to be wrong about this match between between Blanche and Roger, including the fact that uh, Brett Summers is very tall, and um, and so there's she's much taller than he is, and. He's also older, when, you, when I looked him up, I didn't realize he's 10 years older than uh, Klugman and Summer, so that would make, if, if, we're, if his character is, is that, then he's 60 to her 50. And uh, so it makes him even less and less of a catch, I guess, in their eyes as, as the husband character. So it's pushing it a bit, I agree. I
1: find him funny, I must say, but I see what you're saying. And again, I want to reinforce, there's no way that he could get fined Find him first of all. Looking for a short, wrinkled guy is funny joke, but not a real way to find somebody. <laughs> and there's no way that they would get back that fast. So the next scene is an establishing shot of 1049 Park Avenue. There's a cab pulling up. Um, and Oscar's in the in the living room listening. And we the... say again, 1049 Park yes, Avenue. Yes. Yes.
2: Very clearly shown. Yes. To uh, our our one of our early yes. listeners'
1: theories argue, that they right. were no
2: longer living at 1049. I think. Uh, we've- I think we can close our case on
1: that. Yes, we've done that multiple times. Oscar asks, um, sorry, so if Oscar's listening to the record of the ceremony, the recording of the ceremony, so the lease is a nice tie to that. And, you know, right, I, yeah, I'm it is funny.
2: Up. It's like a funny joke when Richard Stahl says you get your free recording of the ceremony, which is, uh, and then he has to do the testing, testing on the microphone, but you realize this is the payoff for that coming up. Also worth pointing out that it is on, they actually make a, uh, it's a it's a it's a LP. It's a yes, turntable. It's a record. It's not a tape. It's no. not a cassette. They're they're making records and I didn't know that. He that was that easy to do. Like with just. I don't think it is. Turntable. By the
1: way, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but that.
2: Oscar. But you'll see why as you'll describe Oscar sitting by himself in the living room playing it on a record player which becomes part of the joke he's
1: playing felix saying i object over and over again on the record player.
2: and lifting up the needle and yeah and putting it back down in the same place yeah uh
1: which by the way i do not believe he could find that place over and over, and over again that precisely <laughs> that is because it was not at the beginning of the clearly at the beginning of the ceremony
2: it's also kind of funny in a dark way that he would even take he He has the record because no one else wants it because it was a failed wedding, and he
1: took it home. Felix comes in now holding the cake and saying he stayed for the funeral. Oscar asks if he objected and and said, this man is not dead. Felix asks if Oscar is mad at him. He says, no, he's just listening to the number one record on my hit parade, and he plays I Object multiple times. Uh, And he asks Felix if he likes it. So from here, we're going to play uh, the clip of them discussing things um, from there on.
5: I object. I object.
1: Do you like it? The melody isn't much,
0: but the words are catchy. (laughs) My crazy sense of humor. Don't be angry. I'm not objecting forever. I just want to give them a couple of days to think it over
4: how do you interfere with two adults who want to get married it's none of your business it is i like blanche and i acted out of friendship for her well that's what you do with your friends wonderful i'm glad i'm not one of your friends anymore it never would have worked out oh tell me about a mr expert on marriage who's divorced and living with a slob Blanche doesn't love, Roger. Oh, again with love. Yes, again with love. All right, tell me, what is love, dear Abby?
5: What is love? What is
4: love? Love
0: is, love is, love is two people running hand in hand through the fields with the music playing, and they're running, and they're running, well, and they're running. That's not love, it's a toilet paper commercial. So, of course. Uh... Love is that feeling between two people and two well it doesn't have to be two people
5: it can be a man and a dog
0: it can be a child and a teddy bear it can be squirrels bunnies i don't want to hear about squirrels and bunnies tell me about blanche and the milkman i i, I, I can't tell you exactly yeah, what love is just now all right but i can tell you what it isn't love isn't he's so nice Love isn't spending the rest of your life with someone whose main passion is sitting in a towel somewhere and sweating. Oh, tell me what it isn't. Tell me what it is. What it is. What, now, that, now that I know what it is, now I can tell you what it is. Love is that intense, vital, passionate feeling one person has for another. That's it. Basically.
4: Well, I have those feelings for you, but I'm pretty sure it's hate. <laughs> You're
0: upset, understandably, because there are a few dollars involved. But you cannot deny to De Blanche her right to romance. Romance. Marriage isn't enough for you. That's right. Romance. That that feeling that you'd rather die than be a, apart from the one you love. That, that wonderful feeling of pain in your heart when the one you love isn't there. That ache when you're
4: waiting for the phone to ring. That's romance. That is a ro- that's romance if you're 16 years old.
1: Then
0: I am
4: forever 16 years old.
1: So is that fish. <laughs> So we should point out that the second half of that scene, Felix has taken out of the refrigerator a very large fish, which he is cutting up, presumably to cook, while they're discussing love.
2: And ending with the head. Yes. He beheads the fish. It's actually quite quite a deft bit of prop handling by uh, Tony Randall here, who... I guess must have really been a good cook because he knows what to do. Like he just, uh, uh, with, with almost his eyes closed, like knows exactly what he's doing with a very large kind of cleaver. It seems
1: very second nature to him to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So it's very brave uh,
1: prop comedy here that he's doing all this while doing a lot of dialogue in the scene. But it is a very thoughtful discussion. You know, it's it's a natural discussion. It, it isn't. It doesn't feel like they even. It doesn't feel like a TV discussion about love because they even make fun of what it would be like to talk about love in TV commercials. Yeah, right. So it it does feel very
2: genuine. And there are, yeah, there are a few good jokes like the toilet paper commercial joke, but it actually is not a joke driven dialogue, right? And it's It's not a
1: traditional, there are sitcom-y ways that, you know, when sitcom gets serious and they talk about love, they have tropes in them and this just escapes all of them. Mm -hmm. rick middleman knew what he was doing yeah so the next scene um oscar is watching tv with an unhappy face they had just eaten dinner clearly i don't know how that dinner conversation went eating the fish felix asks, what didn't he like because oscar's sitting there on the tv unhappy he says the fish the salad the wine and with a perfect beat in between oscar says the cook And Felix noticed uh, that Oscar's watching TV without the sounds. Oscar says someone's liable to object if the sound is up. Felix asks, what is he watching? He says, seven brides for seven brothers. Felix says, it's a wonderful movie. And Oscar says, you bet it's wonderful. Seven ceremonies and nobody objected to. Seven ceremonies that nobody objected to. Then Blanche rings the doorbell, comes in. Felix starts to apologize, but Blanche says, it's okay. It's just your way. You are a fun person. Felix says which is by the way it was a weird way she says that is weird it's like is she you're a fun she, person yeah, yeah is, she, is she is she is she really mad at him and that's a dig or is it like that's just you Felix i didn't expect it or is it neither because she and we find this out later she may be actually grateful for it it's just a, an odd way to express whatever she's expressing that's very says, dry summers yes. has this great dry delivery Blanche says she and Roger are going to try again the next day, but they're going to have dinner to talk it over. Um, At this point, Felix starts to interfere again, and Oscar gets mad, and here's a clip of that. Felix, go to your room. (laughs) I'm not a child. I know you're not a child. That child puts a
4: smile on everybody's face. Now go. I want to stay in here. She's my ex-wife. I want to talk to her privately.
3: Please, Felix.
5: All right.
0: Congratulations, Blanche. I Thanks. hope everything works out fine. I'll be in my room if you need me. Nobody needs me. What am I got to do in my room alone?
3: Is that sound on? Uh... No. Good, I thought I was going to death. <laughs> Sit down, Blanche. You want to drink or something? No, no, I can't stay long. Well, what is it?
4: I mean, is it on or is it off?
3: Well... We'll see. We're gonna talk about it. So his fault. It's not his fault. He just wanted to make sure that it was a marriage made in heaven like ours. Like ours? It's a joke, Oscar. Thousands
4: of people in this state use
3: Madison versus Madison as a precedent for their divorce. Well, we had fun in the beginning. You kidding? We had a great year or two. Two out of 12 ain't bad. (laughs) I figured the only reason you married me anyway was because you had a bet on with your cronies eight to five and you couldn't resist the odds.
4: Well, I picked up a few hundred odds. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna marry Eddie. <laughs>
3: uh,
4: can I ask you something? Sure. Why did you let Felix get away with pulling that stunt
3: today? I don't know. It just happened. Well, maybe you don't
4: wanna get married again. Maybe you figure it's easier to ride the gravy train for a couple more years. What gravy train? The Oscar Madison Alimony train. <laughs>
3: The Oscar Madison alimony train? You mean the one that stops at every crap game? Oh, that's a great train, Oscar. You'll never realize what a wonderful feeling it is knowing that your alimony is somewhere out there riding on a heartache. Then why don't you get off my back and marry the milkman? I got news for you. At this moment, I'd marry the guy who hit me with the puck. Yeah? Well, I'll
4: believe that when I see it. Well, show
3: up at noon tomorrow
4: well, I got news for you, I'll be a flash, I'll be there
3: in the flesh! Have a little class, Sweetheart, wear a suit!
5: Oscar,
0: are you going to let her go through with this? Set to Roger and Blanche.
5: <laughs> I think
0: Shelley said it best. I could lie down like a tired child and weep away the life of care.
4: I think Babyface Nelson said it better. What did he say? you Make one wrong move, I'm going to kill you.
1: <laughs> That's a really good example of the chemistry that Klugman and Summers have, which yeah. is obviously potentially what it's like in real life with them, and maybe well, why I'm they got sp- divorced.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just so fascinating because, first of all, if you, if, if you didn't know they were married, it would still, I think, be inc- you would sense the chemistry because, especially when they fight. uh it's because it's, it's so, like, nothing held back. No holds barred. And, uh, and that makes it intimate. And the other way it's, there, it's evident is how, what it brings out in Klugman, that he's very tender. He, he varies between the fights, and then he's very tender with her. Yeah. Uh, in a way that you don't see Oscar with any other character. So there's something really genuine.
1: And by the that. way, that's consistent. So, we see that in every, yeah. almost every scene they have together. Um, yeah, I, and it's and you're right that it it's very tempting of course to see this as them working out
2: their real life uh, problems like right there on screen.
1: And I do not believe Madison versus Madison is a precedent for divorce by thousands of people in New York State. I do not believe that. It's and I, even if it was true, how would he know that? And what is that precedent? That's good good point. Uh, but the fact that Oscar bets on his wedding is something that come happened ha, uh, something that comes up later uh, tangentially when Speed bets on whether oscar's going to get married in the, oh, in the episode right. with dina merrill um so we see right. some if we see more betting about oscar's marriage but not from him from speed uh
2: so what's the deal ted here that she comes in saying we don't he says is it on or off and she says we're going to talk about it and then when she leaves she says we'll come to the well we're doing it at 12 noon tomorrow. oh that's a
1: good point yeah you're right i didn't even i that I mean, part I didn't even notice it's if we're going
2: to take it literally, if, yeah. if there's no mistake here, it means she makes no, up it's a mistake to, no, out no, of no. spite.
1: No, it's clearly a dialogue okay. inconsistency. Yeah, that's a good one. I did not, I didn't even notice that. No, there's no way that there, we know from this show, you don't have to say it. It's clearly a, an error in the, in the mm. dialogue. Uh, so, well, to your point, we're now back at the church for the second wedding. The Reverend Wright is putting the needle on the recording again and let's listen to wedding number two. Let's see what happens. Well, gang, shall we have another go at it?
5: (laughs) I
6: think so. I know so. Mr. Unger, I take it this time you'll be able to control yourself?
0: My lips are sealed.
6: (laughs) My heart is another story. (laughs) Well then, shall we proceed? Kim, if you please. (laughs) My dear friends, We are gathered again today to have another crack at uniting
5: in holy matrimony,
6: Blanche Jefferson Madison and Roger J. Doctor. Before I pronounce the final vows, let me ask if there's anyone present who knows of any reason why this couple should not be joined in wedlock. Let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Good, if I may have the ring, please. I object.
1: now we hear oscar objecting doing mm-hmm. the right thing so we learned there that blanche's maiden name is jefferson um is that true in the play do you know off the top of your head you may not know they do not have a maiden name for her in the play so i think it's the only time we hear that but why does he say bless blanche jefferson madison he she is divorced for a while so she kept yeah. her last name is that was that something you did in the 70s don't know okay well but obviously, Oscar's now doing the right thing. Um, from there, Felix tries to give Roger a pep talk. C- clearly, now this is over. Like, two objections. They're not going forward with it again. Roger says it wasn't meant to be. He wasn't shocked. One day, it's butter. The next day, it's margarine. Mm-hmm. A milk joke. Love the milk jokes.
2: Lots of, yeah, that's, this, is the, this is like with the Fat Farm episode where the, the guy makes all the food. Puns all the time, so now the writers are just having fun. Like, how many milkshakes can make? Yeah, Uh,
1: he says he wishes his first wife had friends like Felix and Oscar because he would have saved half of his Holsteins, which are cows or cattle. And why would? Can you explain that? I'm assuming that his wife in the divorce proceeding got half of his half his cows, half of his cattle. For some reason, that's that's the property of the marriage. I guess uh, so. Felix says, no use crying over spilt milk. So, playing right into it. Roster says, I, Roger says, I like you, boy. Let's go and have a steam sometime. <laughs> Which is, I
2: love that line. But Yeah, he he cracks up with the spilt milk line and basically is like slaps him on the back and he calls him boy again because he, he is older. And he says, I like
1: you, boy. Let's go grab a steam together sometime. Uh, Oscar's talking to Blanche and says, He's sorry. The words just came out. Blanche says he's actually glad that they did come out. She didn't have the guts to call it off. She now essentially says Roger was too much of a pushover for her. She doesn't say it that way, but it's what she's saying. But this is what we already knew. Um, Oscar says, don't underrate yourself. you got to take time to find the right guy. And uh, Blanche says she did, but Elizabeth Taylor won't let him go. Of course, implying Richard Burton at the time. Oscar says, always with the jokes. And she says, he has, she has to go. Roger's driving her to the airport. Maybe I can hijack the pilot, which of course in the 70s, hijacking was a big <laughs> yeah, Kind thing. of a dark joke.
2: It yeah. is a dark but, joke. But it was so common, I guess they, yeah, that's a, it's a
1: common subject of humor. She then tells Oscar she wants the alimony checks by the 15th. Um, and Oscar's on his way to leave, but Felix uh, is still sitting down in the chapel. Oscar says, aren't you coming? And Felix says, I thought I'd wait for the 2.15 funeral. Oscar sits down and says, maybe don't cheer me up. Uh, I love that
2: there's always a funeral. And Felix seems like really genuinely happy to stay for the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so now we come to the tag, that's the final scene scene. But in the With final, the cake on his, he still has the wedding yeah, cake. Still in has the box cake on his lap. Right, which he brought back. So either he made another cake, or he bought the keep one another home. day. I think it would keep it another day. So he brought it home. Okay. In the tag, they're in the living room now. Felix says, "Funny day, wasn't it? Sad wedding and a happy funeral." And then <laughs> Felix starts to talk about how his funeral would be, and we're going to listen to that tag right now.
0: I would like our regimental flag draped across my coffin, and then I hope this isn't pretentious. I'd like it drawn by a team of white horses. That- <laughs> The plays the grand march from Aida, because that's my favorite one. I'd like it to go around and around the cemetery three times.
4: What would you like? I'd like to be there.
1: <laughs> so uh, now here's something that I heard in there that you mentioned in a couple of podcasts ago there was a reference to them fighting in wars and you thought there was something that was said that suggested they were in the same unit together and i said no but now felix says our regimental flag yeah a regiment is a is a specific group of soldiers right
2: so when he he says our he he could be saying him and his 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 fellow soldiers you know it doesn't have to
1: include oscar but it certainly makes you think it includes Oscar, yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, aside from that, it's a that's a pretty cruel tag. Again, you know, it's funny, <laughs> but it is pretty neat. Uh, you mean when
2: Oscar says, "I want to be there"? Yeah, I want to be there. Well, he's not literally saying, "I want to murder you," but no, um... <laughs> he says, "I would like to. See, I'd like to see you dead." <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is, and it, it is funny. He says it very convincingly. It's very, very deadpan.
1: So that's the end of the episode. I give this uh, in our Murray's score. That's our grading system. One out of five Murray's. Uh, I give it a two and a half. Um, There's funny stuff in it. uh, But the casting of Roger and the whole premise of the episode, I just find, uh, I always think of those first that they're annoying and not really fun. And that knocks it down from whatever my higher score would be. What say you? Well, Ted, I'm gonna I'm gonna differ with you here.
2: I'm gonna give it four out of oh five. Oh my gosh, four! I feel this is like on Siskel and Ebert when you know they act a thumbs up right. versus a thumbs down. Um, perhaps our our first like real diversions. I, you know, here's an episode I didn't like as a kid, uh, and I was surprised watching it now at fifty years old how much I liked it and. Um, you know, so it, it just it reminds me of how mature a show this was. This was really a sitcom for adults, even though, funny enough, millions of kids like us watched it on Channel 11. It really always, this is one that, especially this episode, is really targeted toward adults. It deals with these very mature issues of of divorce and late marriage and what adults that age, the kinds of feelings they have about love and why they might get married and And it's very maturely discussed, right? Like, whether she should settle or not. Uh, It also, the dynamics of their relationship, I mean, it's just so fascinating watching Klugman and Summers, like a real life couple, battling it out like this on screen. And that last scene they have where she admits that she's glad that he objected, and she says, you know, it was because of the fight we had last night. She said, it reminds me that that was, that's something intimate that I would never have with Roger. And uh, so it kind of acknowledges this, this, you know, this this gray area in a relationship of, uh, of where even the arguing and fighting is an intimacy that you know even potentially is arousing, for these, especially for a couple like this. And they they allude to Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, who also were a famously battling couple. So they're kind of like that. Um, just my favorite moment, though, what's clinched it for me was that scene when Oscar objects his arc is played so beautifully in this episode because it starts off when he's just so crass about the alimony, right? And he's just, he's so self-interested in this and the way he completely evolves over the course of several really carefully plotted plot points that he softens a little bit each scene. And, and what, what I really recommend people look for if they watch this is Klugman has to make that transformation during the second wedding scene in about 30 seconds from like being ready for it. And you, how he gets to objecting is a very slow process that is uh, almost undetectable because you're focusing on all the other characters like Felix and suddenly it comes out. It is surprising in a way that it made me think when, this, when you first saw this episode, you're not necessarily gonna guess, guess that. It seems inevitable in retrospect, but
1: I think they play it just perfectly. Well, clearly you have no reason to give it a four. That was such a generic, vague answer. I don't, I don't, understand. <laughs> I say that about every episode, right? Um, well, we're we allowed to differ. I'm sure we have differed. We haven't given, I think we've only given the same score once so far, actually. So. But we're, this is the biggest gap. I agree. But uh, my, my, my issues are very particular to me and I don't expect them to, to have uh, resonate with others. Well, that's it. Uh, We uh, will be back with another episode. And as always, Garrett, you're just a terrific little guy. I object. Goodbye, everybody.